0: Our text this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. That's on page uh, 976, if you have one of our uh, pew Bibles, chair Bibles, one of the Bibles in front of you. Uh, If you've been with us the past number of weeks, you know that we've been studying through the book of Ephesians, and each week we're asking this question, what does this book... This book of Ephesians, what does it teach us about what it means to become a community of grace? To become more and more a community of grace. That that would more and more be the reality for us as a church. And last week, uh, as we looked at the first part of chapter 2, we talked about the fact that we were dead in slavery. That we were dead, that we were in slavery, that we were under God's condemnation. Paul uses very harsh, very strong words, but he says that in Christ we have been made alive that we've been raised up, that we've been seated with Christ, that we've been brought in Christ. Illustration we use, we've been velcroed to Jesus, that we have been stuck to him. Now, that was Paul's way of framing, here's what salvation is all about in the first half of the chapter. We're going to see in this half of the chapter that he describes it a little bit differently. He gives us a different angle on what is it that Jesus has done for us. So let's pray together and then we'll uh, look and see what, Uh, The Lord has for us here in Ephesians. Let's pray. Father, we come before your word now and we pray that you would speak to us by your Spirit. This is your word to us. We pray that you would apply it to our hearts. We pray that you would help us to understand. We pray that you'd help us to listen. There are not many places in our week for many of us where we have to stop and to listen and to think and to be quiet. We pray that you would help us to do that right now and that you would meet us. Because Jesus, it is you that we need, and so we come before you in Jesus' name, Amen. Again, this is Ephesians chapter two, verses eleven through twenty-two. Let's read together. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at one time separated from Christ; you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one, has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances, that He might create... "...in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and he preached, "'Peace to you who are far off, peace to you who are near, for through him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens.'" But you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building, the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." A number of years ago, I think it was the year 2000, a movie came out that struck me and it was called Castaway. Maybe Some of you all saw Castaway. Tom Hanks was in it. So Everybody loves Tom Hanks. So Castaway. Uh, And the story is about this um, this man, his name is Chuck Nolan. He's an employee for FedEx. And Chuck Nolan is a busy, well-connected man who works for FedEx. Everything is on the clock. He's always running everywhere. Uh, He's he's trying to have this romantic relationship on the side that he doesn't really have time for. He's he's driven. But the irony of FedEx, right? Something, a company that brings people together. You've got to get your birthday present to Aunt Edna in California. What do you do? You put it in a FedEx box and you send it to her so that you'll be connected. This guy who's all about being connected. Well, he gets on a plane, on one of the FedEx planes, and the plane crashes in the ocean. Um, now, when you come to see this movie, you know that's what's going to happen. It's Castaway. You've seen pictures of him in the desert island. So the the irony and the tension mounts as he's getting ready to get onto this plane. He's saying goodbye to his girlfriend. He's giving her their Christmas presents. And at one point, she hands him a present, and he pulls out the key, the keys to his car that has a little pocket knife on it, and he has to cut the ribbon to get it off. And so anyway, he's walking away from the car, and she says, "Wait, you forgot to give me your keys." Uh, so he. It sort, of, it sort of slows down as he throws the keys to her into the car. You know, and you're thinking, the keys with the pocket knife, you're going to need that be real soon. You know, so that goes sailing her. And then he walks off to the plane. His last words are, I'll be right back. Uh, and then he gets on this plane. The next thing you know, he goes through this huge storm, and he washes up on this desert island in the middle of the ocean somewhere. And he's stranded there. And he spends four years by himself, utterly alone, trying to figure out how to survive. This idea of being a castaway is just sort of intriguing to me. Think about the term, castaway. It doesn't really tell you where you are. It tells you where you're not. You've been cast away. It's all defined on there's somewhere else you want to be, and now you've been cast out of there. Now you're separated from there. Now you are away. Okay, this passage is about castaways. And here's, here's the point. Here's what we're trying to get at this morning. We are all castaways, and Jesus came to rescue us, to bring us home to himself and to bring us home to his people. We are all castaways. We're all castaways, and Jesus came to rescue us, to bring us home, home to himself and home to his people. So first let's look at, at the fact that we are castaways. This is verses 11 through 12. It comes back to it in verse 19. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what's called the circumcision, which is made in the hands, flesh by hands. Remember that you at that time were separated from Christ. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It couldn't get much bleaker than this. What does Paul say? He says, He said, all of you, he's speaking to to Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and he says that you were without Christ, you were without God's people, you were without God's promises, you were without hope, you were without God in the world. You were without all the things that are most vital to our existence. Without Christ, you didn't know Him. You were separated. Without God's people, there's a kind of important historical note here. There was a long history of alienation between the Jews and the Gentiles. And so when Jesus comes and starts building this community together of Jews and Gentiles together, the world didn't know what to do with it. Even the people in the church didn't know what to do with it. Uh, when you read here those who are called the uncircumcision by the circumcision, okay, this, these are racial slurs. The Jews would look at the Gentiles and say the uncircumcised, the unclean. And that the the Gentiles would look at Jews and say, the circumcised ones. These are racial slurs. There's real tension. In the temple in Jerusalem, where uh, God's people came to worship him, there were these uh, concentric uh, blocks of, of walls separating the people from the center of the temple, which was the Holy of Holies, where God's presence was in some unique and special way. And at the very outskirts of all that was an area called the Court of the Gentiles, If you were a Gentile, if you're not a Jew, this was as close as you could get to the temple. It's just one step in, I guess, from being out on the street. It's as close as you could get. And the uh, court of the Gentiles was separated from the rest of the temple by a wall that was three cubits high. And I read that and I thought, three cubits high. Uh, Cubit is uh, about a foot and a half. And that sort of struck me. Okay, so the wall was four and a half feet tall. Okay, you'd think you, if you're trying to keep somebody out, you'd, you'd build a bigger wall than that maybe. Well, what's interesting is at intervals along the outside of this wall, there were these signs put up that were written in Greek and in Latin. A couple of those have been discovered and translated. Here's what they said. No foreigner may enter within the barrier and enclosure around the temple. Anyone who is caught doing so will have himself to blame for his ensuing death. If a Gentile crossed over that line, through that wall, climbed over, went through the gate, he was going to immediately be killed by the temple guards. What is the message? You are outside of this. Very clearly outside of this. And the irony of that is the wall was four and a half feet tall. They could see in, but they couldn't be in. Separated that there was this real rift not only between the gentiles and God but between the gentiles and God's people as well. There's a prayer of of devout Jewish men at the time part of which said this, "Thank you God that you didn't make me a Gentile." And Paul looks at speaks to the people in this letter and he says, "You were without God and you were without God's people. You were alienated from them." You're without God's promises that were given to God's people, Israel, in the Old Testament. You were without hope. You were without God in the world. Now, can you imagine a more complete sense of real and deep isolation and alienation? Can you imagine being more a confirmed castaway than this? Utterly cast out. Utterly separated. Let me ask you that. If if this is true of who we are, is it any surprise... That people go to such great lengths to find connection with other people, to find some sense of community. William and Mary students, (coughs) those of you who are not in a fraternity or sorority, is it any wonder, if this is what's true about us, that people would be glad for a community that welcomes them in on any terms? Is it so strange that, that would feel so comforting. If you are in a fraternity or sorority, is it so strange that the people who don't choose to that do that would bind themselves together in other ways on campus, would find other groups of friends that can be just as exclusive? When you look at your own um, coming to college, those of you that maybe joined a Christian fellowship, uh, maybe you were looking for the same thing Desperately looking for a place of community and connection. Uh, I suspect that if we walked down the street and across the way, walked into Jamestown High School, we'd find many of the same things. You'll see definite subcultures of students, smaller cliques, smaller units, bands of students that are rallied around different things, whether that's an activity, band, uh, whether it's the sport that you're in, uh, whether it's the kind of music you listen to, whether it's the way you dress. I'm not sure adults are that different. What are the ways that we and our neighbors are so desperately seeking connection with other people, some sense of community, joining the right club, playing golf every afternoon? What is it for the people you know? What are, are the places that we are looking for some sort of connection because at some deep level in our beings we sense that we are castaways and we are somehow cut off? In the movie Castaway... Chuck Nolan, he's on this desert island by himself, and he opens this FedEx package that washed ashore with him, and he finds a Wilson volleyball. And if you've seen the movie, uh, the Wilson volleyball becomes Wilson, his best friend, that he sets up and he, and he talks to for four years. The only community that he has of volleyball. And the ironic thing about it is that Chuck can't always get along even with Wilson the volleyball. <laughs> There's this one scene in the movie where he wakes up and he's angry and he's screaming and he yells at at, uh, Wilson and he throws him out of this cave that he's sleeping in and he sort of mutters to himself for a few minutes and then he realizes he has lost his only friend and in desperation he goes rocketing out of the cave looking for his lost volleyball. We have this deep hunger not to be alone, not to be alienated. Um, Those of you who remember... Uh, one of the all-time castaway songs by the police, Message in a Bottle. This must be 25 years old now. Here's the first verse of this. Just a castaway, an island lost at sea, another lonely day with no one here but me, more loneliness than any man could bear. Rescue me before I fall into despair. I'll send an SOS to the world. I hope that someone gets my message in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> This longing, even in this song, this idea of being a castaway, this longing of we are people adrift by ourselves and at loss. On the one hand, we feel this very deep need for connection with other people. We're castaways. But at the same time, like Chuck Nolan on the island, sometimes we can't even get along with our own volleyball, right? We want community and then we resist it at the same time. Maybe if you noticed on page one of the Order of Worship, there's a quote there by Jean Paul Sartre Hell is other people. And it's interesting, you see on this island for this man, hell is both no people and people, right? No companionship and companionship. I'm alone, but I can't even handle the little bit of companionship I have with Wilson the volleyball. The testimony of Scripture is that we are people who are castaways. We are people who are lost. But the Bible doesn't leave us there. Look at verses... The rest of the passage in verses 13-22. through But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Jesus rescues us. He comes in order to bring us home. In order to bring us home both to God and and to His people. Jesus' death and resurrection are the end of our alienation. They are the things that bring us home. They're the things that get us off the island. They're the things that reconcile us to each other. Verse 13, he mentions the sacrificial death of Jesus. He says, you who once were far off, he's speaking to the Gentiles, you were brought near by the blood of Christ. Then he goes on and talks about the effects of this death of Christ for us. Verses 14 and 15, he says that you have been reconciled to each other. He says that Jesus broke down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Same term he used earlier when he was talking about the wall, alluding to the wall that surrounded the temple that kept the Gentiles out. What is he saying? In the body of Jesus, that wall has been blown up. It's been torn down. That there is no longer any separation, and no longer any separation for you and God's people. He said he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. He said that Jesus abolished the law and the commandments. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two and so making peace. Now, if you're paying attention, you might remember um, something that sounds a lot like Matthew 5:17. Jesus says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And Paul is saying, Jesus came to abolish them. What's going on? Jesus is speaking in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount and what he's saying is all of the moral righteousness that you know you ought to live up to, all those things that you fail in and separate you from God, I've come to fulfill those on your behalf and enable you to actually now walk in them. Now what Paul is saying is another aspect of the law, he's saying all of the ceremonial parts of the Old Testament law, all of the things that kept Jews separate from the world around them. He says Jesus came and took those away. All the, th- all, the, all the requirements, the Jews keep themselves separated from Gentiles or they would become unclean. All the dietary restrictions that were meant to set them apart. Physical circumcision. All these things that were to highlight to the Israelites in the Old Testament that they were God's people and separate. Paul says Jesus came to bring a healing in the rift. He came to bring people to himself from every culture, from every ethnicity, from every group. He says all of those old regulations have been torn away now in Jesus. The dividing wall of hostility has been ripped down. It goes on to say that Jesus has created one new man out of the two, so making peace. Somehow in the flesh, the dying, the physical body of Jesus, his death and resurrection, he took that hostility Two men, Jews and Gentiles. And He brought them together into one people of God. So we are reconciled to each other. Now that's rooted in a reconciliation together to God. Verses 16-18. through That He might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He's saying that for both groups... Jews and Gentiles, we are in need of the same healing, the same reconciliation, the same connection with God that's brought to us only through the death of Jesus. What's going to heal this rift in humanity? Only this, that we are all people in need of the same thing, provided with the same thing in Jesus. What's he saying to us? He's saying that access to the Father has now been won for us saying that Jesus went to the island for you. Jesus became a castaway for you so that you wouldn't be any longer. When Jesus was dying on the cross, He cried out this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken so that his people could be brought home. He was rejected so that we could be embraced. He was shipwrecked so that we wouldn't be. He went to the island so that we could come home. The death and resurrection of Jesus brings us back home to each other and to himself. And the result is a new humanity. Paul goes on to speak about this in verses 19 through 22. This new humanity, Jews and Gentiles, everybody brought together into this one people. The early church used to talk in in these terms. They would say that there are now three races of mankind, that there are Jews and there are Gentiles, and there is now the church, the united people of God. They saw themselves as a new humanity, something new that God was creating, taking the old brokenness and making something that was new and healed. Now, last week we talked about the fact that because of what Jesus has done, we're brought in Christ and we're Velcroed to Jesus. And what Paul is telling us here is that when you're brought into Christ, you're also velcroed to God's people as well. You're bound to Jesus, and you're intimately bound now with God's people also. Verses 19 through 22, we're just going to mention briefly, look at the three images that that he shows us here. Three images of what it means to be this new people of God. He says, we're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints. You're no longer on the outside. You're no longer dispossessed. You've now been made a citizen of the kingdom of God, fellow citizens with the believers. And he switches a metaphor. He says, we're members of the same household, the same family of God. We're brought into a new country. We're brought into a new home. And he uses a remarkable image. He says, together, the community of Christians are being built into a building, being built into a temple. He paints this picture of this temple being grounded in the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, God's revelation to his people, the cornerstone, the one, that, the one that sets the trajectory for the whole building, is Jesus himself. That's our foundation. But he says, you, God's people, are being built into a temple, a dwelling place for our God, that in some mysterious, amazing sense, that God dwells among his people that he's saying that about us. What brings up the question, if this is all true, what's it going to mean for our church as we're trying to seek to become more and more a community of grace? Let me ask you two questions. Do you feel like a castaway? Does that feel like it describes your life? Well, that could be for one or two reasons. One, if you're someone who is not trusting in Christ, that's exactly what the Bible says, that you are. You're a castaway cut off from all these things that Paul mentions in verse 12 without God, without God's people. But Jesus came to rescue castaways. He came to bring them home. He's the one who gives real reconciliation, real healing, real restoration for everybody who calls on His name. He is the one who heals the very real breach between us and God and between us and each other. Now, Let me ask you an an associated question. Are you somebody who's trusting Christ and you still feel that way? All those days you wake up and you still feel like a castaway. Remember what is true for you. The gospel that brought you to faith, the good news of Jesus, is the same gospel that has to be what sustains you every day from then on. You really have been brought home. And the movie Castaway doesn't say this, but surely for somebody in Chuck Nolan's situation... What happens after you get home? There must be those nights when you wake up in a cold sweat and you think you're still on the island. And you turn on the light and you see the walls of your bedroom. You remember you're in your house. You remember you're back among civilization. You can turn off the lights again and go back to sleep. Because what you feared is no longer true. And for us who have put our faith in Christ, we are no longer castaways You're no longer on an island. You've been given real reconciliation to God. And real reconciliation to God's people. So here's my second question. First question, do you feel like a castaway? Second question, is our community a place, our church, is it a place where castaways can find their true home? This passage says that Christians are made one. They're brought into a new kingdom, a new family, made into a new temple. Is that true of us? For those of you that are in the Discovery class, our new members class, last week we talked about uh, one of the Reformation um, ways of looking at the church. They talked about the true marks of a church. Okay, What has to be present for a church to be a true church? And here's what they listed. The true preaching of the word, that the Gospels really preach from Scripture. Proper observance of the sacraments and right use of church discipline. Okay, so They said those are the three marks of the church. I wonder if Paul would add a fourth mark of the church. Reconciled relationships, healed relationships, true, rich, deep community. What's Paul saying? We were castaways, but we are no longer. And that brings healing in two directions, between us and God, but between us and each other. That has to be lived out in tangible ways. So if we're going to do that, a few ideas. We're going to have to know that we are recovering castaways ourselves, people who have been brought off the island. When Chuck Nolan gets brought off the island, he's got four years of matted hair, matted beard. He's wasted away. The ravages of his life are showing. And we have to know that that was us too. If we're somebody who's put our faith in Christ, we were castaways too. And when we see other castaways, we say, yeah, that's me. Not look at him. But yes, of course, that was me as well. Now the second thing, recovering castaways, we're going to have to learn how to actually relate to each other. Lots of good relating goes on in our church. What's it going to mean, though, for us to be a community of people who really know the depth? of our need, the depth of the alienation that Jesus saved us from, and the depth of real healing that he's bringing in our lives right now? And are we going to be a people who are going to walk together in that with each other? Is that going to mark your home fellowship group? Is that going to mark our Bible studies? Is that going to mark our friendships and lunch together? That we're a people who are stepping into this life of reconciled relationships together. And for some of us, that's going to mean, okay, I have some things to forgive. Or I've done some things that I need to seek someone else's forgiveness. Are we going to be this kind of community? Is the dividing wall of hostility really going to be ripped down and done with for good? And then the last thing, we're going to to have to really want to see castaways come home. Now, most of us are not actively hostile to castaways. We're just dangerously passive. We're excited, rightfully so, for instance, when folks come and visit our church. And we often do a great job of of warmly welcoming them. You know, by and large, how is it that somebody becomes a part of our community, a part of our church, our little corner of God's world? Well, this isn't true of everyone, but it is for most of us. If you're a student, then you probably came to William & Mary with some sort of church background, and you got plugged into one of the Christian groups on campus, and somebody there invited you to come to Grace Covenant. Or maybe you saw the van one Sunday morning, or maybe you saw a flyer, so you came and visited. Or if you're an adult, here's what probably happened for you. You moved to town, and you were a part of a church somewhere else, and so you started looking for a church here, and you visited a few, and you came to Grace Covenant because somebody invited you to lunch, and because you thought they were nice people, and because you thought... Jesus was being honored here, all good reasons. And so you got plugged in with our church. Now, the way I'm setting this up, you probably think I'm going to say that's bad. I don't think that's bad. I think it's beautiful. But I also think it's not enough. I'm so glad that we're a community who welcomes people who come to us. But it's not enough because Jesus is calling us and inviting us to more. You see, we are people with a message that our world desperately needs to hear. That our sense of alienation and lostness isn't just a figment of our imagination. It's our true situation. But there is an answer to that. That we really are castaways on the island. But there is one who comes to rescue castaways. Some people need to hear this again. Some people in our town need to hear this for the first time. Reconciliation and into our alienation. In Jesus, we are brought near to God and brought near to God's people. There is a way off the island. And we as a people are going to have to be willing to take it out of this building and out of our home groups and into the actual relationships we have with other people in this town. This isn't just a good idea. This gospel isn't just for us. It is for the whole world. And for us, it means it's for the world in our back doorstep. Williamsburg. This is our place. To put it in terms we've been using this morning, we have to go out into the ocean looking for castaways. Let me just leave you with two castaway images. Going back to the song, Message in a Bottle. Throws out this message into the sea and hopes somebody will respond. Here's the last verse of that song. Walked out this morning, don't believe what I saw. Hundred billion bottles washed up on the shore. Seems I'm not alone at being alone. A hundred billion castaways looking for a home. I'll send out an SOS to the world and hope that somebody gets my message in a bottle. And the second image is Chuck Nolan. He builds a raft. <clears throat> he sails out to the ocean, sails out to sea. Eventually, and as he's out there in the middle of the ocean, he eventually even loses his friend Wilson, who drifts off in the ocean while he's asleep. He's on the verge of death. And the camera is sort of at water level looking at him without water, struggling to stay alive, passed out. And in the background, you see this enormous cargo ship come by right behind him. And it starts to blow its horns and uh, rings the emergency bell. And it rescues him. And here's the thing. That ship could have never rescued Chuck if it was back home in port, tied up to the dock, who is out in the middle of the ocean and rescuing those that are there. And if we are going to be a church as a part of God's great work in this world and this town, then we're going to have to go looking for castaways because we have a God who brings castaways home. Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, we thank you for your good work in our midst. You are our hope. You are the one that has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. You're the one who's made peace with, between us and you because we were alienated and lost and between us and your people because we were alienated and lost from each other as well. May the good news of your rescue and provision for us be the thing that is our, our bread and our drink, the thing that we feed on, the thing that we offer to each other and the one glorious thing that we offer to the world around us, the good news that you brought us home. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand together and continue worship with our closing hymn.